my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. ladies and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am so excited to have you back with me today. Today (laughs) I will be jumping into a refresher of our healed and loved woman framework. This is our three-step model that I pull from as I teach all things healing from love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation aka love anorexia. For those of you who do not know, at the beginning of this year, I shared the framework in detail as um, just a basis so that we all know what we are growing towards, what a healed and loved woman is, why it's important. And even though I have been dropping in language, so you know, we want to make sure that we are balanced in our relationships or love balanced. We need to make sure that we are available. We need to be leaning into our love worthiness. I talk about deprivation, even though I'm talking about all those things, I I thought it would be very important to come back to home for us to be clear on what is our foundation. And that is because one thing I've noticed when it comes to being in this healing space and doing our self-healing work is some of us can be hoarders of self-help tools and support and techniques and tips and people, and we got the worksheets, and we got the journals, and we have all the mantras and affirmations. And it's because we are stuck in this cycle. And stuck might not be the right word because it's all based on forward progression, but we have a habit of collecting things and really digging into it when it's shiny and brand new. But there may be a struggle with consistently using the tools at our disposal and then wondering Um, why nothing is working or something is working and we get bored easily. And I could say that this is my own ADHD playing a part of it, but I don't think it is because I've watched this happen with women that I've worked with over the years. (laughs) We'll be talking about what's going on with them. They'll be telling me what they've done. They'll be expressing disappointment with where things are. And I'll refer back to a skill or a tool or a support that they used before and asked, well, how did it work when you tried this? And they said, oh, I didn't even think about trying it. And I was like, okay. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So we're going to go back to basics today, y'all. We're going to go back to basics so that we can be clear on what is it that we're growing towards. What is the purpose of all this, right? The name of the podcast, name of our movement is Black Girls Heal so that we can be healed and loved women. But what does that look like? What does that entail? And so let's talk about it today. So just as a place of reference here on this podcast, I talk about healing from different types of intimacy disorders. And those three intimacy disorders are love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation. And the main difference or the way that I describe the difference between these intimacy disorders and what we um, may all know to be attachment styles is that the level of intensity the level of consequences, the level of stress, um, the the ability to change course, even when you try, even when you make promises, even when you put in tools is a lot harder when we look at um, the addictive quality around these things. That's because just like other process addictions, like gambling addiction, like shopping and spending addictions, like gaming and television addiction, 
like exercise addiction. These are all very real addictions that are not attached to a particular tangible substance like alcohol or, or drugs or pills, any of that stuff. But they are very real. They are very real, real, not only in their consequences, but also in their function. In these process addictions, people will gamble, they will shop, they will use video games, they will exercise, they will do all these things in an effort to self-soothe and comfort themselves when they are emotionally triggered, um, when their PTSD flares up, when they don't know how to emotionally cope with what's going on and they need to feel connected and grounded and again, soothed from what is happening. And in the same way, when you are a love addict, you will use the obsessive nature of a person or relationship or the fantasy of that person or the relationship and mistake it for love. But really what you're using that person, relationship or fantasy for is to heal your underlying trauma. You're trying to get some type of resolution and there's never enough. There's never enough connection to them. There's never enough affirmation from them. There's never enough sex from them for you to feel fully satiated and satisfied. And part of that is because when you're in the pattern of being a love addict or love avoidant, you are always attracted to someone who's not going to be able to show up for you. That is part of you engaging in your trauma reenactment. In a room of 100 people, you've heard me say this before, in a room of 100 people, you're going to pick the one person who looks good, who looks smart, who looks happy and healthy and fit And that person is going to be emotionally unavailable. (laughs) They are going to be someone who's going to maybe even start off at seeming very um, involved and seeming very open. But time will show that they um, have their own walls up. And, And most of the time, you've also heard me say this before, the red flags are there or the yellow flags, you know. Um, red or yellow flags, they're, they're, they're out there, but we choose not to see them or because of our own trauma past, we're like, I can work with this. This is okay. And it'll work out. Other signs of being a love addict are the unrealistic expectations for other people in relationships. Um, a lot of hidden pain, a lot of hidden denial. Um, again, that insatiable need to be esteemed, to be loved, which To be clear, as I talk about the Healed and Loved Woman, one of the components is um, actively engaging in our love worthiness and feeling love worthy. The difference between that and what I just described is when you have this insatiable need to be loved and liked, you will self-sacrifice and put yourself in dangerous situations and dangerous relationships um, and dangerous places and efforts of, of getting that and efforts of it being reciprocated. Um, And typically it is not because of the setting. Um, You may have a high tolerance for drama, for chaos. Um, It may seem normal to you, which can be very uncomfortable when you're having conversations with friends or family members about what's going on. And you might, I love that if we'll probably tell a story to somebody and they think that they handled it well, or they think that it's pretty mild and they'll see the facial expression of the person on the other side. And they're like, what is happening with you. And it it can be very shocking and drawing and also pretty shaming to them because there's already that sense of not feeling enough. And then to have that response from the other person looking down on you, it just, it just reaffirms the secret belief that there is something wrong with you. And with that said, a lot of times, you know, someone who's a love addict will live a double life. They will have, they will present one way in public and then they will present another way in their personal life where they may hide details because they are ashamed of sharing them. And then also, like I've said before, I don't talk about this enough, um, the, the interaction and the interconnection between sex and love and maybe using sex in efforts to connect to someone, especially if that person is unavailable and pulling away, um, trying to use sex to feel connected or feel um, the not empowered, but you know, there's just such a deprivation and such a need to be loved and be seen using sex to get that and finding that there's not enough or you're wanting more from partners because you're not, you're, you're picking people to have this connection with telling yourself that it doesn't really matter, but actually it does. It does matter. And so you're feeling unresolved on the other side of it. And then also um, for people who are more love avoidant, but I'll, I'll say this here since I'm talking about using sex in an addictive um, capacity in a way that's more about trauma reenactment and self-soothing versus you actually 
being in touch with your desire and your full sensuality and full sexuality. It can also look like um, using it as a power play. So no one's not, no one's going to hurt me. I'm always going to be in control. I'm always going to be the one who's, um, you know, making them come first, making them beg for and making, being the one who is the dominant one. And this doesn't even have to include BDSM, but just you not ever feeling vulnerable to someone and using sex as a tool to, to feel that. And so again, all of these things on one hand have a very healthy and have a very human and reasonable and legitimate need, right? The need for your voice to be heard during sex, the need to feel connected, the the need to feel loved. But what distorts it is how our trauma plays into that, right? And even when, like I said before, even when we try to think differently or we make promises that we're going to be more open or you know, this is just a phase. I'll grow out of it. You know, when I meet the right person, then I won't do this anymore. That day doesn't come. That moment doesn't come because it's not about those people. It's about what's inside of you. So that's love addiction. And one more thing, sorry about this, is and included with using sex, um, also self-soothing, using pornography, using compulsive masturbation, using all the things. You know, we as women, as human sexual beings, we are right in line with all these behaviors in the same way that men and, you know, I need to include non-binary folks. There's not as much literature about my non-binary peers. However, I just want to be clear. That's why I'm using these two, these two dichotomies, not because I'm not aware, but just because I don't really have um, the knowledge base um, for the distinction for my non-binary audience members. Okay, so that's love addiction. Uh, let's move to love avoidance. My love avoidance, you need love, you want love, you want connection, but you also really want to protect your independence and your freedom and your voice. You may have come from a past where there is a lot of enmeshment or a lot of intrusive family members, caregivers in your life, maybe a lot of criticism, a lot of control, a lot of emotional engulfment in some ways. Maybe there's addiction. Maybe there's just a lot of um, things that happen in your daily life. And you just learned that it was easier for you to do you. It was easier for you to focus on yourself. This also includes if you had to be a caregiver and had to take care of other people. And so you just learned by interaction and connection that to be close to someone meant that you would lose something, meant that they would take something from you, that they would drain you. And so now as an adult, you're caught with that, that double-edged sword of, I want somebody, but they need to look like this and act like this and feel like this if I'm to be in a relationship with them, right? There's like a whole lot of prerequisites there, which are actually walls. It's, it's, a, it's the difference between um, knowing what you want and just being clear on your worth and your value and making it really, really hard for anyone to actually love you. And I think what happens with love avoidance is we'll hear that and one or two things will happen. Either we'll be like, okay, well, let me like, let me listen and let me soften. And because you don't have a good thermometer of what is actually healthy, where you soften and how you soften are in the negative, are in the wrong places. So just like a love addict in a room of a hundred people, you're going to soften and you're going to pick the one person who's going to fuck up that trust that you're giving, right? They, they're going to, they're going to mess up that opportunity and it's just going to reaffirm all of your beliefs and all of your walls and all of your defense mechanisms that you've had in relationships because you, you got receipts. You're like, every time I open up, every time I let this wall down, this is what happens, right? And um, it makes you not want to do it anymore. And I understand why that is. And the people who listen to you understand why that is. And at the same time, you know, time is marching. You're, you're at a place where you still want connection, but you don't really know how to get it. And then the second option is um, an extension of that is, you know, you, you've softened enough times, you've, you've let your walls down enough times to where you um, just don't want to do it anymore. And so you start to build this life where you just have this belief that connection isn't possible for you or it's not possible for you in the way that you want it. So you have made adjustments even though you're not happy with it, you've made adjustments in your life to, to 
to fill that gap, um, to, to live life on your island without being honest about your need for more or trying to fill it with enough things to where you won't feel it as much. When you do happen to get into a relationship, my lady, to a love avoidant, even if you really like them, even if it's really great at the beginning, you don't know how to be chill. You do not know how to be in the moment. You do not know how to be emotionally available. You do not know how to be open. And low-key, you don't want to be open. Um, you just want them to kind of figure it out. <laughs> you want to have, you want to be able to be close without the risk. You want to be able to just have them know without you having to share, because again, you sharing who you are, you being open, you being vulnerable. There is the risk that they are going to take that, take something from you, that they are not going to respond in the same way, that this is energy that you could be diverting in other places. That's how my love avoidance, um, plays out is, you know, sometimes, sometimes when I'm not actively being intentional about connecting with people, I can go into, man, I could be doing something else right now, instead of actually embracing the fact that this, these relationships, these wonderful relationships I have around me are what I've always prayed for. (laughs) They're exactly what I've always wanted. And so um, what more is there for me to do outside for being with these beautiful people that I have in front of me, right? And when you're in love avoidance, you you kind of you take that for granted. You can't see it. You don't know what to do with it. And there's a lot of impatience that, that comes with being love avoidant. So you avoid being known in relationships. You may distance yourself. You may be very busy. You will hide your feelings. You won't share them. Um, sometimes it's because you don't know how to. Sometimes you do know how, but you're looking for reasons to not share who you are. So, so here's a common scenario. I was just about to share blah, blah, blah with my significant other, but then they said what they said about whatever it is. And now I'm not going to share it. And it could be the most small, the, the smallest minute thing that literally has nothing to do with what you're going to share. Or maybe it is related, but because you are with hopefully a healthy partner, if you were to express that what was said or what was done hurt your feelings, they would be responsive. But you as a love avoidant, you don't do that. You just you just tick up, you, you, got, you got all the tally marks. Again, a love avoidant is fantastic at receipts. We are great at laying it out. And what a love avoidant needs to learn is that winning and being right and being in control and um, being tough is not where it's at. All that is doing is setting you up to be an authoritarian drill sergeant role and not in the softer, tender place to be loved, to be cherished, to to be able to rest and relax. A love avoidant wants nothing more in spite of all of her strength and her bravado and um, that masculine energy, you know, because I'm talking a lot about feminine masculine energy these days. In spite of all that, all she wants to do is to be able to just woosah, right? And you're waiting for other people to show you that you can do that, but really the change starts within you, right? Hence the framework, okay? Hence us knowing, okay, what does this look like? Where are we going, okay? The third one, love anorexia, aka love deprivation. I call it love deprivation. I might actually change it back to love anorexia. Y'all let me know what you think. Um, I got feedback on the term love anorexia a couple of years ago from someone who said that it was really triggering for them because of their own past with food disorders. But when you Google love anorexia, that's the term that is used. And deprivation is a sign, is the main sign of being love anorexic. And just the more I'm teaching the model, the more and the more I want to make sure that if y'all go and do your own little Google search, <laughs> that you find the right terms. I'm wondering if I just need to change it back to love anorexia. So y'all let me know. Feel free to send me a message somehow. Y'all y'all are great at that. Some people are on the text inspiration list um, where I send weekly texts every week. Some people DM me. Some people send emails. Just get the message to me. What is your, what is your vote? And I may change the model from there or change how I teach the model and go back to love. Anorexia. But here's what love anorexia is. Love anorexia or love deprivation 
is where you live in extreme deprivation from love and nurturance and care and compassion and tender tenderness for yourself. And even though that can happen if you are active in your love addiction or active in love avoidance, um, which by the way, we can, and we do cycle between all three of these, um, or have symptoms of all of them at the same time. Why? Because these are all trauma reenactments. Um, and so depending on the person in front of us, depending on what the situation calls for, we will enact either addictive qualities or avoidant qualities to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves, to, to get what it is that we need, right? So with love deprivation, someone will live in an absence of these things. But the difference is someone who's love deprived or love anorexic is very attuned to their sense of low self-worth, to their sense of shame. They are very much aware that they do not feel enough and um, where the love avoidance will try to hide their sense of not feeling enough with accomplishments, with work, with being in control, with being the caregiver of the family. A lot of love avoidance, y'all are the caretakers of the family because you get to focus on other people and it's more giving out instead of them being focused on you. And my love addicts, you will, you will hide your low self-worth with really needing that, that instant high and that connection and being affirmed. Um, or actually you're, you're very aware of your low self-worth because you're constantly asking and needing someone to, to love you and to be connected to you and to desire you. But you are more focused on it being the other person's problem that they are not showing up for you versus that is something with you. Like when you're a love addict, you're like, I'm wonderful. Why isn't, why aren't they loving me? Well, it's because you actually don't think that you're wonderful, which is why you're in a relationship with someone who's not treating you like you're wonderful. Like if you really knew how amazing you were, you wouldn't be there. And that's just the, the bottom line. If you knew how beautiful, how talented, how amazing, how superb you are as a person, there's no way that you would stay with these crumbs. And that is not an indictment on you that I hope that that is an inspiration for you to get the strength to move around no matter what your relationship status is right now. Okay. Going back to love deprivation, you know that you don't feel good enough. So you will not ask for what you want. You won't go out for it. You will try to also distract yourself from um, the fact that you are without connection, without love. A lot of times our biggest ways that we will cope with love anorexia is, is building a life built on fantasy, fantasy relationships, um, really indulging in whether or not that's crushes, whether or not that's an active, real fantasy life um, where we have our own characters, our um, caricatures, our own environments, we own our own scenarios. I remember at one point in my life growing up, in, in my preteens, I used to use fantasy a lot to cope and nurture myself because I felt very alone. And I remember I would, I would have my own little fantasy life there too. And I hear that currently with adult women, adult women who have mortgages, who have gray hairs, like, I, I want you to know that whatever you are feeling and whatever you're thinking, you are not alone. You're not the first woman or first person to do these things, and you're not going to be the last. These are all simply coping mechanisms, okay? So indulging in that, maybe indulging in um, pornography, maybe indulging in a lot of different things to try to get aspects of comfort without actually giving it to yourself. And so... The reason why this became the term for love anorexia, and this is also the language that you'll find if you ever go to 12-step meetings for love addiction, love, ana love avoidance, or love anorexia. These are the three um, intimacy disorders that are described there. The way that this got the term love anorexia is because people do not stay in this anorexic state for long. They don't stay in this place of deprivation for long. Um, at some point, you get tired of it. So other ways that this can show up are um, self-love detoxes, um, detoxes from other people. People will go long periods of time working on themselves and um, living in their own little worlds in absence of others in this little cocoon. And it feels so safe. And they feel like this is exactly what I needed. But really, you're not really learning the balance between keeping your relationships and learning how to keep in contact with yourself. Like 
you have this lifestyle where you have to pick one or the other. Either I be in relationships and I lose myself or I feel hurt or I feel annoyed or I feel not enough or I feel triggered or traumatized or I live by myself and it's the safe little bubble, but I feel alone and I feel I still kind of feel unworthy in some places because I'm afraid of what's going to happen when I go and I try to reach out to people. Women will live in love deprivation and love anorexia when they go years and years of their lives focusing solely on their children um, and parenting and mothering their children, which is great that you are dedicated to your children, but you're also a woman. You are a whole individual person with your own whole and individual needs and your own mind and your own heart and your own soul and your own creativity. And your children are watching you neglect yourself. They're watching you not take care of your physical, emotional, social, mental health needs, right? They're watching you not live in your beauty. They're watching you not do the things that add to your personality. And they're making up their own stories about this. Maybe they will be internalizing this and they they will be repeating that pattern when they are adults, especially your daughter's. And maybe they'll be interpreting, I don't know, you know, there's, there's so many different scenarios. And so the best gift you can actually give your children, if this is you, is you stepping out of that, is you stepping out of that, even though it may be scary, even though it may be uncomfortable, even though you might have all these fears that go along with that. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too whatever. It's too late. I'm such a mess. Nothing ever worked out for me anyways. The only way that I've ever felt needed is by mothering. You know, we all have these real stories that have impacted us. And at the same time, we are the ones with the pen. We are the ones who get to write the next chapter, right? We are the ones who get to pick our next step. And I need... Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. I need you to know that no matter where you are or how things have been or what you've tried before, you are still in control. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. And I mean control, of course, in a more positive context than I've met that I meant before uh, when I was talking more about love avoidance, but you, you have that power, okay? You have that power. So I don't know about you and the journey that you've had to build consistency in your relationships, but the roller coaster of overattaching to people and then hiding from relationships after disappointment and heartbreak is exhausting. And sometimes you can feel as if you're trying your best, doing all the things, only to end up in a dead-end relationship or confuse if there's something you're missing about what you're doing wrong or what you're bringing to the table. And so because of that, in our six-month coaching program, From Avoidant to Available, we help single women clear the path to develop and nurture healthy relationships with available partnerships, with available friendships, with our special high-touch hybrid approach combining group coaching, 
community support, and private coaching check-ins. If you'd like to get off the roller coaster of being either addicted or avoiding in relationships to become balanced and available, feel free to learn more at our website by going to from avoidant to available.com and apply to join us in the next cohort. People who are in love deprivation, love anorexia will not stay there for long. They will swing. They will get tired of of not having nothing. (laughs) They will get tired of being lonely. They'll be tired of not having sex. They'll be tired of not having the things that they want around their house. They'll be tired of not having clothes that make them feel good and whatever it is. And they will swing, swing to the binging. So they are out of control with being restrictive and over restricting in their life. And then they will swing to being out of control with being indulgent. And so Whatever that need is, you're not living in balance. So you will swing to, okay, I haven't been dating. I haven't been doing what I want to do. You know, it's been enough time. It's been enough years. I'm going to go out and live my life. I'm grown. And you go out and you live your life and you're grown and you get into relationships and situationships and partnerships or one night stands or whatever, however it displays to you where the hope is that it helps you feel alive and invigorated and connected to yourself, but really you're just getting more of the same. And in the same way with love addiction, it's never enough. Why? Because you're not eating to be satiated. So when we emotionally eat, we're not eating because we're actually hungry. We're eating because we are sad, because we feel alone, because we feel um, deprived, because we've been abandoned, we've been rejected. And there are not enough chips in the world. There's not enough chips in that bag that are going to help us feel full enough, which is why we will keep eating and eating and eating and we'll finish the chips and then we'll go to the candy or we'll go to the pizza or we'll go to the ice cream because we're trying to fill something. They're trying to fill a hole that has no bottom or we're trying to fill a hole that the chips were never meant to fill. So when I'm active in my love deprivation and I swing into indulgence and I swing into, okay, I'm going to start having these partners or start dating and, you know, hopefully I'll meet someone to become my husband or my wife, or, you know, I'm going to start shopping and then, you know, then I'll be pretty enough. Um, And then I will start exercising. And when I lose enough weight, then I'll feel good in my body. There's, there's no threshold that's going to make you feel that way because you're still carrying those internal beliefs that you feel about yourself, right? And so the goal of all this is our internal work. We are the common denominator. We are the key. We are the ones who have everything we need inside of us. The ring is not going to matter. And those of us who are married and listening to me, you're, you can amen to that. <laughs> like uh, you can go and buy your own ring. Like if, if you're waiting on the ring to magically fix something and um, you will get the same effect from buying your own ring from Zales as you would from, you know, walking down the aisle, you know, maybe you'll have like some euphoria, but those internal beliefs that you have about yourself are still there no matter who's by your side. Um, you are still going to feel the same way when you lose those pounds. You're still going to feel the same way after you get that BBL. And, you know, like, and this isn't me telling you to not do exercise. This is not me telling you to not do plastic surgery. I'm telling you to be honest with yourself about how you feel about yourself and why you're doing the things that you're doing. What is your goal? Okay. So with that set of where we are, let's talk about where we are going when we become healed and loved women. So, like I said, this is a three-part model, which incorporates the, the healed version of the three different disorders that I talked about so far. So, the healed version of being love-addicted is to be love-balanced. The healed version of being love-avoidant is to become love-available. The healed version of being love-deprived or love-anorexic Love deprived or love anorexic is leaning into your love worthiness. To be clear, there is no becoming love worthy. You are already love worthy. You came into this world love worthy. You and all of your mess and all of your gunk and all of your insecurities, you today, my love, 
are worthy of someone coming in and just adoring you, cherishing you and loving on you. And hopefully you already have those people in your life is you being open to receive that you learning to stop pushing that away. You learning to lean into it and say, yes, yes, this, this is my normal state of being right. And the combination of all three of these states is where we lean into becoming healed and loved women. Okay. So let's talk about balance in our relationships. What does that look like when we are not in our addiction? We actually get to enjoy relationships without losing ourselves, without becoming chameleons (laughs) and becoming needless and wantless, right? When you are love addicted, you, you, you are a ride or die. Sometimes the girls say, pick me, but really when you are a love addict, you are so committed to that relationship and making it work, you will become what, what you need to be to make it work, which usually involves you losing your likes or your dislikes or your standards or your values or you adopting the likes and dislikes and standards and values of your partner. If you're someone who is very strong-willed and um, has always been independent, you may hear that and be like, I don't do that. But when you look back at your relationships, have their... Does the history say a different tale, right? Or have is it, or could it be that there are some relationships that you have always been in control, which means you've been more love avoided, most likely. And then there were some relationships with some people you were just putty and you just couldn't explain it, but you just kind of lost who you are. And so when you're love balanced, you are able to fully stay who you are, but there's um, there's no need for you to be protective. Sometimes, especially those of us who've been in um, traumatizing relationships or even just, you know, the trauma is being heartbroken. Maybe we were never abused. Maybe we were never assaulted, but just the trauma of really loving someone and then not working out has gotten really hard for you and it's really taken a toll on you. And so we will lean into trying our version of being balanced, but now we are very, very self-protective. And now we're very, very like, if you don't like what I like, and if you don't do what I think we should do, then you're not the one for me. And it's more of that type of energy versus a confident, self-assured, like, I like me, you know, and you get to like me or you get to not like me and that's fine. And which is different than if you don't like me, I don't care. Like, I I want y'all to hear the difference and the tone and the energy behind it. One gives very much, I do care. (laughs) If you don't like me, then F you, you know, like I don't need you anyways. And that is not a balanced perspective. A balanced perspective is I know that there is, there is value in this other person. I know that this other person can also just be, um, have a good heart, but me being balanced, I'm able to also keep in mind what my standards are. And I could really like you, but that doesn't mean I have to be with you, right? And there's this confidence, not only in ourselves, but confidence in the abundance of the world that just because we meet a nice person does not mean that they are the last one and that we have to take it and work with it and mold it and form it and make it be what we want it to be. Um, Another sign of, of being love balanced is that it's easier for you to be kind and compassionate and still maintain your boundaries. A lot of times when we are love addicted, we are codependents and not only in our romantic relationships, but in often other relationships as well, because we don't know the balance between giving and being generous and self-sacrificing. And so you learn that there's kindness and yeses and in those. The way that I heard it's phrased by one of my coaches that I love, I still love to this day is a boundary is... A boundary is more, how does she say it? Now I can't remember because I, because I pumped it up so much, but a boundary is more about requirements to say yes. It's more, I want to say yes to you. Help me say yes by making it safe for me. Instead of until you do this, I'm not going to do it. It's no until you show up the way I want you to. It's more of an invitation. Boundaries are invitational when you are in a balanced state versus a protective state. And then finally, um, when you're love balanced, you raise your energy and you attract people who are like you. You only have the energetic space for people who are balanced like you are with people who are mutual givers, 
when you're a love addict, you're typically in relationships with people who take and you're constantly trying to get them to give in the same amount and level that you are giving to them. And it doesn't work because the dynamic has been set up the way that it's set up. But when you are more balanced, you're only attracted to and you only make time for people who are balanced like you because you know that it's not your responsibility to try to fix people or change them. Like they are in charge of their own work. Let's talk about benefits of being love available. So when you move into love availability, you get to let in the love you've been waiting for your whole life. And this is love in all forms. Again, I talk, the examples I use here on this podcast, I teach primarily through romantic relationships, but all of the concepts that I talk about are applicable in all domains of our relationships, family relationships, friendships, and our relationship with ourselves as well. You know, that's especially why with the Love Woman Co., for those of you who don't know, we have a new stationary company called the Love Woman Co., where we have um, notebooks and planners and activity decks related to building relationships in these four domains. Um, just, just for me doing this work here, and seeing how women need tools in all these areas and knowing that every woman is probably going to go through our programs but wanting to have some tangible tools for you. But you let in love in all areas, right? When you are available to it, when you are open to getting to know other people and letting them see you, when you're open to being vulnerable and showing your emotions, when you're open to letting yourself have emotions. Love is an emotion, y'all. Love is absolutely an emotion. Some some of us are so sad that we don't have love, but we're so afraid to let ourselves feel all of our feelings, unless it's anger, unless it's anger and sometimes sadness. But any anything outside of that, and it can and those feelings can only last for um, a few minutes. Well, anger, we're usually more okay with letting us ourselves be angry because it feels more powerful. It feels more protective. It feels like it's going to stop people from messing with us and taking advantage of us. But sadness is often seen as a weakness, so we don't let ourselves feel that. Um, and we will convert every other emotion. We got like Google Translate for our emotions, and they all translate to anger. <laughs> sadness, rejection, abandonment, helplessness, hopelessness. Also excitement, this is, you know, when you start to love somebody, you get excited, you get, you get tender, you get softer, you get vulnerable and you don't want these emotions. These are the exact opposite of the emotions that you want to feel when you're love avoidant. And so your Google translate will translate that into, um, anger that looks like protectiveness, that looks like making them jump through hoops to let them in which looks like trying to play hard to get and not being too available to them because what if they think you're easy or what if they leave you or you learn that you have to, you know, wait five days before you respond to an email or a text, you know, like all of these games and all of these rules that make it really hard to just be present. And it's also based on, you know, the fact that, again, we try to be present with people who were not the right fits for us or they were unavailable people right? There are so many women, and you might be one of these women, who have the story where they dated an amazing person for years and it just didn't work out. And so what that taught them is actually how to be more available for love. It didn't make them say, man, I dated this wonderful man or woman for, you know, three or four years and it didn't work out. Now I'm not going to want to be in love ever again. It's more, I had this great relationship and I know that great relationships are possible, right? It, it changes your perspective. So when you're love available, you're able to let in love. You're able to let yourself feel these emotions related to that. Sharing stops being as scary as it was before. Now you want to share your emotions with people. When you slip out of being love avoided or when you grow out, I shouldn't say slip because it takes intentional work. When you step out of being love avoided, you know, that part of you that when things went down, you immediately went into your head and you found the solution and you took care of it yourself. And that was like your normal state. You are no longer satisfied with that anymore when you are love available 
now when you're love available, when things go down, it's like, man, I got to talk to somebody about this. <laughs> I got to let this out right now while it's happening. So many love avoiders, you might tell somebody something later on and only bits and pieces of it after you've already solved it, after it's no longer as much of a sensitive trigger for you. But when you're love available, I need to get my good sis on the phone right now. <laughs> I need her to listen to me cry or vent or be helpless or not have the answers, including if I'm the person who always had the answers. I, I need that space to just be human to be myself. So you get that opportunity, which allows people to show up for you when you're love available. It allows people to help you. It allows your life to be easier. And related to that, when you're love available, you're able to share who you are without fear of being rejected. You know, all the fears that we have when we're love avoidant is that people are going to see us as weak, that someone's going to take advantage of us, that someone's going to be here for a second, then leave us. And everything that we do around love avoidance is just in defense of that. But when you're love available and you understand that love is love is also available for you and that people want to love you and that people are capable of loving you in the way that you want to be loved, you just have to show up. You do that. You do exactly that. Your narrative changes, right? Your locus of control changes instead of the world is out to get me or I got to protect myself from the world. It's like, no, I build the world that I want from the inside. And I'm, I'm going to give, I wanted to give to me what I, what I wanted to give. So I start with me. And then finally, let's talk about love worthiness. When you are actively living in your love worthiness that you were already born with, but somewhere along the way, someone taught you otherwise, trauma taught you otherwise, and you adapted. But when you return back to start, when you, when you reset to factory settings, <laughs> um, when you're in your love worthiness, you get to be connected to your body and your emotions without fear. I missed this when I was talking about this, but similar to my love avoidance who struggle with letting in good and bad emotions, so do my love, love worthy ladies or love deprived or love anorexic ladies. You, you feel so many emotions that you just kind of try to push them all down. You try to live in complete suppression of your emotions, except for your self-loathing. That, that's the one that you may feel a lot. Um, and you feel a lot of shame. You feel a lot of shame for having your self-loathing, which is kind of, you know, is the snake eating its tail. And then also you have shame for having emotions, for having needs. Um, a lot of times your trauma looks like you were, you know, cast aside or rejected for being too much and not just being a shell. And so you... You, even as an adult woman, hate the fact that you can't just be um, be a robot. You hate the fact that you actually um, still have desires. And so you have a lot of um, negative emotions about that. So when you are active in your love worthiness, when you're leaning into your love worthiness, you are able to be reconnected to those emotions that you were taught were bad for so long. You're able to actually embrace them, to love them, to, to need them, to crave them, to find meaning and value in them, um, to be connected to your body. There's also a lot of um, body shame and body dysmorphia that often comes with love deprivation or love anorexia. And so your emotions and your body are directly connected. We store our emotions, we store our trauma in our body. And so when we are not feeling our emotions, our body will tell us what we're feeling. It will tell us in the form of you know, stomach issues or panic attacks or stress or tension and muscle, muscle aches in our body that doctors and other people cannot explain. Those are your emotions that you're trying to push down. They didn't disappear. They're in there. And so you starting to be connected to your body again and loving your body and embracing your body in its current form as a part of love worthiness. When you're active in your love worthiness, you are actually indulging in yourself in a good way. Right. So it's not indulgence as an escape mechanism to try to hide or run from these negative feelings that you've never let yourself embrace. Right. And trying to, um, like I said before, emotionally eat at the end of that bag of chips to try to feel full. Um, now that indulgence is all about, oh, I am beautiful. I am a loving human being. I am worthy of care and um, and attention. 
And so now you indulge and you take care of yourself out of that queendom, out of that royal feeling that you hopefully know that you should have always had and now you have been reconnected to. And you feel no shame about that. Um, it feels very, very true and, and normal to you. And finally, when you are active in your love worthiness out, um, in contrast to love deprivation or love anorexia, you show up for opportunities to be loved instead of hiding. My, my love anorexics, you come out of your shell, out of your hiding spot, out of your room, out of your apartment, from behind the screen, right? You show up, you put on makeup, you put on clothes that actually fit you and make you feel beautiful. Um, you stop making excuses about how you're not that type of girl. You don't really care about your looks. Girl, you were made to shine. We were made, and this is for every person, every person listening to me, a woman, non-binary person, men, you were made to shine and show the glory of God in your appearance. You were made for that. So whether or not the way that you shine is by wearing makeup, whether or not you shine by doing cosplay, <laughs> whether or not you shine by having a tight fade, what, no matter who you are or how you present, my masculine lesbians, like everybody, you were made to show up as your best self at all times. And it is a cop-out when we say looks don't matter that much to me or, you know, take me for who I am. I can take you for who you are as long as you are actually feeling good with how you're showing up to me. I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. And I hope that it's very clear that I'm not telling people, everybody to wear a dress and wear makeup. I'm telling you to show up in a way that makes you feel like the diamond that you are. Everybody. So that's my soapbox for today. I feel like I've yelled as much as I've encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> this episode. I hope that you receive it with the love that I'm sending it because I, I want you all to catch it. I want you all to catch it. Take what you need as always. Leave the rest that you don't need. Share with people who you think may need it to be shared with them. And I hope that you found this, this refresher to be exactly what you needed. I hope I hope people actually listen to it. <laughs> Hopefully I title this episode when I put it out in a way that doesn't make people think, oh, I've already heard this before. And they actually listen to it in completion because I think, I think these are the things we always need to be reminded of. So that's it for this episode. I'm sending you all love and I will see you in the next week. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. 